everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pod on You Loons. I'm Justin. Pod on You Loons, I'm Sam. A little bit different of a show today, actually a lot of bit different. We have a couple of new guests, uh, one that will be familiar to our regular listeners, one that is completely new. And really, the point of the show, we're not going to recap the Minnesota United game against FC Dallas that just took place, but rather we're going to talk about league-wide, focusing more on the Western Conference, but league-wide, what happened on decision day and what is going to take place going forward into the playoffs. So let me introduce our two guests going forward. We have Nate coming back wearing his Portland Timbers kit. Nate, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. Nice to get that last-minute stoppage time equalizer for once instead of giving it up. Yeah, 100%. I was texting you and Justin, and I was like, are we going to have... The, just a repeat of the games we're playing now for both of our teams. Is is Minnesota going to be playing Dallas again and Portland going to be playing LAFC again? And that did not happen, and we'll get to that later. But, of course, Nate, big Portland Timbers guy, leader for the Citizen Supporters Group of Minneapolis City. Welcome back, Nate. Thanks for having me. And then, Nate, you want to introduce your friend? Uh Sure. Um, so we've got Cameron on with us tonight and Cameron is a longtime buddy of mine, lives in Seattle and is a Sounders representative and member of Gorilla FC. Um, and thought it'd be fun to get another Northwest perspective on the show as we cover the preview, the Western conference playoffs. Hey, hey everybody. Happy, happy to be here and, uh, talk some soccer now. So Cameron, you're you're coming into us from Seattle. So you're sorry, are you're president of Gorilla FC or vice yeah, president? I'm president now of Gorilla FC as of the start of this year. And so I've been uh it's been an interesting year with COVID and everything going on, but uh we've done our best from a distance. I, I'm basically uh I'm immunocompromised, so uh, I don't leave home much. I'm running Gorilla FC out of my garage behind me over here. So all the mail order, everything just comes straight from from this area right here. So who's your web guy? Because web guy has you listed as vice president of Gorilla FC. Yeah, we haven't we haven't updated it just because COVID's been so crazy and and our our every everyone's <laughs> struggling. But yep, yeah, it still it still has vice president on there for sure. Okay, we we won't fire your web guy. But <laughs> I'm sure, web guy is a good guy. And then Cameron, you also have a have a radio show of your own. You want to tell us about that quick? Yeah, I do uh, a radio show that during normal times records uh, Monday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Seattle time on KXSU Seattle 102.1 FM, which is the radio station at Seattle University. And it's called Punk Rock Pariah with Grendel and Greg. Uh, we always, almost always podcast those episodes. Now we're completely remote, like uh, everyone in the world, it seems like. And so uh, it, it's a podcast that's at the intersection of pop culture, punk rock, and politics. So we we kind of source with our listeners what they want us to talk about that day and uh, we just break it down or we have guests on the to talk about different subjects sweet we're gonna have to check that out do you have a twitter handle or anything yeah it's at punk podcast or if you just search for punk rock pariah on any of your podcasting sources it'll be up there punkrockpariah.com as well awesome man awesome as as you can all tell right like i'm totally punk rock so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit this up <laughs> you give know, me, give me my punk rock fix. It'll be relatable nonetheless. You know, we have tons of different conversations from uh is a hot dog a sandwich to um 
what is a good date or not for my uh, co-host who is single and perennially dating? Well, I for one think that a hot dog is a sandwich. So I'm going to, I'm going to just going to put that out there right now. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> well, is cereal a soup? That's the new question. Ooh. Ooh. Anyone question. that thinks cereal is a soup is not allowed me or my child. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you define what a soup is? There you go. That It all comes down to that. I can't define it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> First of all, you have to eat it warm. Not all of that Russian Gazpacho's cold. Gazpacho's not soup, though. Go back to Russia. Or whatever Barney says to Lisa in that episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> We're talking about the same gazpacho, like the blend of like, like veggies, tomatoes, the, like South American staple. I mean, it's still soup. No. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Well, the Western Conference bracket, right? Can we all agree we know what the Western Conference bracket is? Yes. Yes. Justin, you want to run it? Run us down with the Western Conference bracket. Give it to us one through eight. Sure. So uh, the first, the matchup, the one eight matchup is in the one spot, Sporting Kansas City facing number eight, San Jose. The two seven is Seattle at two, LAFC at seven. Then we have Portland at three and Dallas at six. And our Minnesota United FC at four facing Colorado at five. Now, why I'm really excited that we have Cameron and Nate on to talk a little bit from the Pacific Northwest perspective here is that this year of 2020 and COVID-19, the adversity that Minnesota United has faced, I think sometimes it feels like we're just super unlucky. And I wanted to pick their brains a little bit. What is unique to us and what just sucks league round, right? Like, because I assume that every team has a certain level of suck that has gone on so far. So I like that phrase, Sam. A certain level of suck, you know? <laughs> it, it's it's funny. At, at the school I work at, at, at a staff meeting, I actually had the phrase where I was like, okay, here's the deal. Like, this year is going to suck, but I don't want to make it suck more. If anything, I want to make it suck less. So don't want to get off topic talking about work. So Minnesota United has faced adversity this year, but is it unique? Because Portland, Seattle, along with Sporting Kansas City, who has the one seed in the West, they set themselves up as the class of the Western Conference. So was it that Portland and Seattle just experienced less adversity or were they just able to overcome it better than us? What do you guys think? I mean, I think there were enough games played where every team, I mean, even I was thinking about Kansas City at the start of the year and like their whole attack was injured like through the um, tournament and then once they started playing again. So I think to a certain extent, every team faces adversity when you go through a season and the teams that come out on top are clearly the ones that that overcome that adversity. And I think that the unique thing about this year is there were so many games squished in together that the teams that overcame it clearly were the teams that showed they had the most depth. But now we get into one-off situations and depth doesn't mean anything or it means less because you're no longer playing for the long game. You're playing for, hey, I've got to win or, or go home. And so um, I think the ball game changes. So now it comes down to who's got the best chemistry with the group that they have left. But I think that, you know, overall, 
you look at those top four teams and they've clearly done the best job in the Western Conference of overcoming adversity. Yeah, I think I would I would agree with Nate said. The Sounders definitely have faced some adversity throughout the year. You know, Rui Diaz was hurt for a little while. Uh, then he had his COVID scare, or he didn't not just a scare, he got COVID and had to to quarantine in Peru and uh, missed for a few games. And, you know, you can tell the difference. And it's been this way since he's been on the team, night and day between when he's on the field and when he's not. They go from a, a championship caliber team to an average playoff team, maybe. And so, uh, you know, there's been injuries along the way. I think we've probably been lucky in that there hasn't been a lot of COVID for Portland or Seattle. And part of that may be just because of the laws in our states that kind of changes things versus, you know, we go back to the beginning of the tournament in, in Nashville and for Dallas, they were still able to go out to eat dinner and stuff like that. And if you were just going about your normal life, you could get infected. And that wasn't possible here in Seattle or down in Portland because the laws had everything shut down. So there may be something too. We didn't have the same adversity when it comes to COVID outside of Rui Diaz, but I think injuries and all that kind of stuff, Seattle was a different team from the time they played in that tournament in Orlando to afterwards, as soon as they came out and hit the ground running, looking at times like a championship team. I don't know if they still do at this moment, but it's, it's definitely um, injury wise. I think every team suffered. So Nate, in what ways did the season suck for Portland? Well, you look at, so we go into the MLS's back tournament and we weren't, I mean, we'd been off, but we weren't playing well. Um, we had a lot of new pieces and there's a lot of questions about, um, you know, is Diego Valeri too old? He's no longer a DP. If he's not the motor for our group, then who's going to be that motor? And I think some of those questions got answered and um, Sebastian Blanco stepped up huge. And then right after the tournament ended, he tears his ACL um, and he's done for the year. And, you know, he was the MVP of the, the MLS's back tournament, um, scored a bunch of key goals, basically was our single-handed destroyer. Now he's gone. And so then it's who's going to step up and replace him. And it's seemingly at every stint when somebody steps up to replace him, they get hurt. Jeremy Bobisay has state claim to be able to play basically anywhere in attack um, and has had a great season, was named our supporter player of the year. Uh, and he's been out now the last number of games with concussion. Yaroslav Niazgoda, I believe he's Polish striker that we signed to a DP contract in the offseason. He tore his ACL a couple of matches ago. Felipe Mora spent some time out. So it's just been this carousel of major injuries to key guys right as they're performing. Um, and I think that's the thing that sucks is that when you lose guys that are performing, Nizgota came as close as you're going to get to a hat trick for Portland. Apparently, we don't get to have hat tricks because we can't have nice things. But and, and really, we're the only MLS team to never have a hat trick in MLS. But yet, uh, even we had one. Yeah. Uh, so he had a first half brace. He had a brace within 18 minutes. And then the next game, he tears his ACL. No contact. So that's that's what I would say is the the high suck moment of the Timber season is just that string of barrage of injuries to guys that were playing really key roles. Well, if you don't mind humoring us a little bit, Justin and I just kind of want to recap the suck that has occurred with Minnesota United FC. and. 
you, you know, maybe you can talk about like, oh yeah, that does suck or welcome to the club, man. Justin, you want to give us a little recap? So I, it, it's kind of funny. So we went into the the season talking about how much depth we had and like, you know, our, our all of our off-season acquisitions were just setting us up to be the super deep team. And the last piece we were waiting for was Emmanuel Reynoso. So, but it took, I mean, Sam, when did, when did we finally sign Bebello? Did that, when it did was that after happen? The, it was after the tournament. Right. And so, you know, that was a big thing, right? So we didn't have a number 10 in our lineup for a good portion of the season um, just because they couldn't come to an agreement with Boca Juniors. Eventually that happened, which was which was good for us because, you know, he's probably the best player on our team. But that one stunk, but it wasn't as bad as, as only having two games of Ico Parra. Again, we don't know why he hasn't played this season, but he's been out the whole year to be missing the... MLS defender of the year, right? The the reigning MLS defender of the year is a huge loss for our team. We saw how how much he helped us in our games last year. To lose, you know, goalkeeper number one, Tyler Miller, uh, without really having a, a solid backup. Thank heavens for Dane St. Clair being a great uh, replacement. He ended up being a good player, but it would have been nice to see what Tyler Miller could have done. And, and we, had we to also call him back from loan. Right, exactly. We had we had him loaned out. I can't remember who too, but uh, San, um, San Antonio. Right. Fortunately, that worked out. But even in th- with that, right, because we had injuries with the backup goalkeepers too, Sam. For a moment there, we didn't have a keeper. And then Luis Amaria, the, the big signing up front, did not get the 25 goals that he promised. Uh, he still he still had he had a, a fair amount of goals uh, in the tournament, which was awesome. And um, he got one against Portland before the shutdown. Yeah. Which was fantastic. There's still time for him to get those 25 goals in the playoffs. Well, he's, he's out for the season. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's out. He's out. Well, you know, maybe he'll come in on one leg. So now we, and, and then to to top that off, right? Ozzy Alonso, who both of our friends are familiar with, had a ton of injuries this year. Just could not seem to to stay on the field. I think Father Tom might be catching up with him, unfortunately. But he's such a big part of our team. Him and Ike Parra were kind of like the stalwarts in the back end for us. So to not have either of them for a big portion of the season is huge. And then not to mention all of our, our friends going off and playing international ball, which we're happy for Jan, Gregus, Robin Lud, Kai Kamara, Roman Matinere. But we're gonna we're gonna be missing all of them for the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, four of our big major contributors. Sam, who is gonna play striker for us in the playoffs? I, I don't know, like because Robin Lud <laughs> played it today and, right. and <laughs> he's gone he's now too. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we just, it's, we're all up in the air with a lot of injuries, a lot of the depth that we talked about, you know, Hassani Dotson, who is our big super sub, he came on today, which was good to see Sam, but like, who knows what shape he's in. Uh, And then Ja'Cory Hayes, who, who started to get more play, he's also hurt. So just a ton of injuries, a lot of, a lot of new faces, so much so that we had to sign three guys from the folding Reno 1868 club. And one of them actually played today. Nate, you're familiar with with our boy. What, what's his name again? Foster Langsdorf. Foster Langsdorf. Made an appearance today. He's a striker, so maybe, Sam, maybe that's the guy. <laughs> just uh, just uh, piecing together a team the whole year, it feels like. Let me, let me tell you something, because I, I have some knowledge on two of those players, uh, Tyler Miller and Ozzy Alonzo. Tyler Miller, I think, was not given the chance to succeed in L.A., uh, they had such a horrible defense that he really 
it, it looked like it was on him, but the, you know, it wasn't, it was the defense was awful and we got to see him up close. He was never going to replace Fry in Seattle, which is why uh, he was sent to LA or they knew he was going to pick him. They were going to pick him in the expansion draft, but uh, he is something special. So when he's back, I think uh, you'll have a really good player. And with Ozzy, you know, Ozzy's the heart of the Sounders. Uh, most people, at least for now, could still consider him the greatest Sounders player of all time. And Rui Diaz might pass him sometime soon, but it's going to take a few more years to get there, or maybe Ladero. But Ozzy's still the heart and soul of the team, even gone. And I think one of the reasons why the Sounders were willing to let him go for the amount of money he's making was because of what happened this year is what they thought would happen last year. Because as time went on, he was playing less and less games. And then last year, it was so awesome to see him be able to come back. And um, I don't know if he played every game, but play most of the games at least and and be the same old Ozzy he used to be where he was a game changer. I think even I was I was on a, a Zoom where it was the entire 2009 Sounders team, which was the inaugural team. And even then, he seemed to feel like maybe his time was coming to an end, that Father Time was catching up with him. Just, he, still want, he said he wants to play at least one more year, but uh, we'll see. Well, and... I, I know how special he is to Seattle Sounders fans, but for Minnesota United, even though he is, right, it's only his second year with the team, but he will always be the player who scored the first goal at Allianz Field, our, our new stadium that opened last year. That will forever be him. And our fan base has embraced him as well. So I think just yeah. an all-around good guy for the league. I know Nate doesn't feel that way, but... <laughs> I mean, with all due hatred, I think that, <laughs> that you know, Ozzy Alonso, like Diego Chara, is the guy that you want on your team and you hate to have to play against him. And I think that the, the one difference between the two is physicality. And I think that that's the reason why Chara has been able to be as durable as he has been, is that he's not the guy that's going to go in and make the really heavy tackles the way that Alonso does. Alonzo is just a much more physical player. And when you're playing that number six role and you're all over the field and you're, you're flying into challenges the way that he does, I just think that that really takes a toll, you know, respect. He's made a, a really long, successful career. Hate to play against him, but respect. So let's, let me see if I can talk to you guys about this a little bit. So Justin just listed off four names of healthy loons that, will not be playing in the first round of the playoffs coming up. Jan Gregish, Robin Lud, Kai Kamara, Ramon Matinere, all of them will be on international duty. And while their games overseas will be, be over by round one of the playoffs, which starts after the 20th of November or something, I forget which, I don't think we know which date each specific game will be at, but They'll be back in the country, but they'll still be in quarantine. So those players aren't going to be able to play yet. How do you guys feel about the MLS starting playoffs when they know that any of their players on international duty are not able to play? I think it's really frustrating. And how do you not, how do you have playoffs where you're not showcasing the best talent the league has to offer? You know, we, we, I guess are lucky that we lost Rui Diaz down the stretch to COVID because he's still within the window of not being able to get reinfected. So he doesn't have to quarantine when he comes back. So we will have him for the first game, but we will not have Delem or Ariaga. So we're lucky in that regard, I guess, even though I would never wish COVID on anyone, but 
it just doesn't seem right. Why, why would the league set it up where you're not showcasing your stars, especially on a time where every game is on, you know, ABC, ESPN, national broadcasts for the entire world to see. I mean, I think it's, it's a continuation of a trend of not, not having that sort of foresight when it comes to scheduling the playoffs. I mean, there's been years where, leg one of the Western conference finals was played before the international break and leg two is played after that, right. Where teams have two weeks and some of their guys are playing, you know, their two international games and some of the guys are just training and it just kills the momentum of the season. And especially in a year like this, my thought is why are they not doing Orlando bubble part two? There there's no need to like nobody's having fans in their stadiums. So you don't have to worry about playing games in Minnesota in November or December. The Fox sports commentators on the um, Timbers match tonight kept going on about, you know, nobody wants to go play in in Minnesota in the, in November playing Kansas city in November. Like it shouldn't matter. Go play all the games in, in Orlando, have a bubble, make sure everybody stays healthy because what's going to happen. They've already set a precedent that they're going to allow teams to postpone matches. What happens if um, a team has positive tests and can't play? Do they forfeit? How does that work? And how does that affect then every single other team that's playing? And if they don't, it, you know, if they do forfeit, then our team is going to be willing to report. And if they don't forfeit, you know, what's the structure? But I just think that there's, there's so much more to just, oh, we're losing players on for international duty. MLS has never respected the international breaks. They've never appropriately scheduled around those breaks. And they continue to show that they really don't care about the international schedule the way that other leagues do. Um, and so it just makes it a joke. Yeah. And I am surprised that the MLS didn't at least respect it for their playoffs. That, that part really shocks me there. The other thing that I just don't get is, yes, we live in Minnesota. It gets cold. The conditions here are not great for outdoor soccer, but we have indoor facilities here. And even if you can't get the Wilfs who wanted the MLS franchise in Minnesota, even if you can't get the Wilfs to agree to allow US Bank Stadium to be used for a Minnesota United playoff game, which I assume there's a, there is a price which would open up that stadium. You have the NSC, the, the practice facility for Minnesota United. I'm assuming you could rig up some sort of a broadcast station there. Again, it's not like there's fans in the stands. Maybe I'm completely naive there, but four hours west, you have the Fargo Dome in Fargo, North Dakota. Five hours east, you have Miller Park in Milwaukee. You couldn't work something out or, right, like as much as I'd hate to give up home field advantage, make Minnesota travel south. I would rather travel south than be without four players who would normally be starting for us, especially when we don't know who's going to fill those shoes. We don't really have another starting caliber striker besides Kai Kamara. We kind of need him on the field. So if that means I have I have to have my team travel down south, now maybe the players in Minnesota United would disagree with me on that, but I feel like that would be a trade-off. I, I, I just, what I don't understand is even if you have to play outs, I mean, look at today's game between uh, Salt Lake and Kansas City. I don't know if you saw it. There was so much snow. They were playing in a blizzard, and so if you're playing in cold weather, I mean that, and that affected the playoffs, right? That's the difference between Seattle or Portland being number one because because Kansas City won that game, 
And so even if you have to play in a cold Minnesota, who cares if you move it back and it's snowing? That's part of the game. They play all the other sports in that kind of weather. They play in Europe in that weather when they have to. They don't have to as often because they don't have the you know the schedule that we have since ours is opposite. But it, yeah, it seems ridiculous that we would have to. We are willing to play a tournament in Orlando. COVID is back, or the MLS is back tournament. <laughs> COVID's going to get you tournament. I mean, I mean that, maybe that's what you call the bubble playoffs. The COVID, yeah. the COVID is back tournament. <laughs> but I mean, Seattle's not a fun place to play at that time of year either. It's not going to be snowy and, and 20 below or whatever it, you guys get. But And we did have an okay day for the MLS Cup. But uh, let me tell you, having been inside the Sounder Stadium many times in December at Seahawks games, it's it's not always a pleasant experience. It's cold. It's It's snowy sometimes. But... For the MLS to be able to change the entire season around, to allow Toronto to play the bottom of the East game after game after game, and then somehow think that they had a claim for the supporter shield, which they obviously didn't end up winning, but and then not be able to deal with the international break for the playoffs just seems silly. And, and was there any talk about a bubble? I mean, was that even ever a conversation? You know, like I think with 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 baseball, right? Like they they thought about a bubble. If, if you had success with the MLS's back tournament in Orlando, why didn't you think about a bubble happening? Is it because it pushes things back? Is that is that why? You know, because now they can start the playoffs, what, a week from now? And they wouldn't have to worry about, like, all the intake and stuff. But I just feel like they, they figured out a, a strategy that worked. And now, you know, to kind of talk about what Nate was saying before, like, there's a lot of uncertainty with this. You know, are we going to have playoff games that are that teams are going to forfeit? You know, I'd say that's more likely to be a yes than a no for that answer, I think. Right. Like, I think that that's well, a good, look at, good possibility. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City and Minnesota got canceled. What? Within the last two weeks? It was just last week. Yeah. It was, and it was Halloween. We were yeah. supposed to watch that on Halloween and it was canceled last minute. In Ramsey so, County, where Alliance Field is. So the school I work for is in, in Ramsey County. It's in St. Paul. We just went from. COVID cases per 10,000 in the low 30s to now we're over 60. Wow. Which when you're talking about what shuts down schools, it's being over 60. So not to talk work here, but my school just abruptly closed. We are going to close in two weeks. Now we're closing on Tuesday because of what happened. So like this thing that Nate brought up about what is going to happen when players start getting COVID and are we going to postpone playoff games an entire week? Are we going to have teams forfeiting games? There is going to be, or it's more likely than not that a team in the MLS playoffs is going to have a player get COVID and whether or not that spreads, we'll see, but teams are going to have to deal with this. And I just think if you look at the sports that have done things in the bubble versus the sports that haven't, there's a clear difference and Look at college football, look at pro football. You know, games are still getting postponed and moved around in pro football. You know, I said it already, but it just is mind boggling that you wouldn't say this worked for us once, so we'll do it again. It's not like you're, I mean, the only thing that they're competing with right now is football. So if you're playing midweek games, you have no competition. There's no basketball, there's no college basketball, there's no hockey. There, like there, there's no sports competition. So you will have primetime exposure for your playoffs if you're doing it in the bubble. 
There's no reason to not do that. The only um, reason I can think, oh, sorry, Nate, I didn't mean to. No, go ahead. I just, there's no good reason not to do that, except that they want things to appear normal. And they, they wanted things to appear normal after the MLS is back tournament. You know, all the language coming out after was, oh, we got through it with no positive tests, neglecting to mention that you had two teams that couldn't participate because so many of their players tested positive that they had to bow out of the tournament. That's not no negative tests. That's two teams being COVID ridden and the rest of the teams figuring out, okay, we've got to do this in the bubble to make it work. And the fact that bubbles work. The only, I was going to say the only reason, but you just gave uh, another great reason, which I think underlies a lot of what's happened this season being that the MLS wants it to appear normal. They want it to appear like this is a normal season and everything to move forward as it usually would. The other reason I think may be the television networks. You know, they have games lined up to be on ABC. They have games lined up on Fox and ESPN, Fox Sports, I should say. I don't think they have one on Fox proper. So my guess, and just this is from the history of seeing behind the curtain of the MLS from being on and now running the Sounders Alliance Council, which is the fan government. So I work directly with the club all the time, representing the fans in the stands, the season ticket holders, not supporter groups, but everyone else is that the league is really driven by that television stuff because they want a larger share of the television market. They want a larger share of being on the good times. Because if you think about the last TV deal, how often were the games at crappy times or up against stuff they shouldn't have been up against? And when they redid everything, it's gotten a little better. And so I think that may be a real driving force. But you're right. The league wanting everything to seem normal is definitely, I mean, I think that's part of what what happened with the supporter shield. That's part of uh, just across the board. They want this season to seem legitimate because otherwise you come out and you say, well, this, this season doesn't matter then. Whoever won it, there's going to be an asterisk next to their name. They don't want that. They don't want there to be an asterisk next to their name. They want it to seem like this is the winner moving forward. As half your teams are going to be missing key players <laughs> <laughs> in the first round of your playoffs. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hey, as long as the the teams they want they advance, advance, I think they'll be fine with that. As long as they can get that TV matchup that gets the the high rated teams against one one another. Right, it's like good job, Robin Lud, getting in all those goals this year. Your team's going to lose in round one, and you'll have nothing you can do about it. I want to ask you. Hopefully something that real- doesn't happen. Yeah, go about, for it. Uh, um, Kamara, Kai Kamara. I heard I've heard this from Colorado fans that there was a gentleman's agreement that he would not play against Colorado. And if that, if you think that was true, I'm assuming that would not apply during the playoffs, right? Especially with all the players missing. Well, he's well, going to be gone anyway. Yeah. Oh, because right. oh, he's going to the, okay. So then it won't even matter. I yeah, had I, wondered I, I that same that question. Too, yeah. yeah. Do you think, I mean, I'm assuming you go all in in the playoffs, right? He just won't cheer, cheer if he scores goals, if, that, if he had been playing. Yeah, I I would assume that that gentleman's agreement was for one game, right? They knew that that game was on the schedule. So I'm assuming that that was that. Even I would be pretty pissed, right? And I I don't get too mad at Minnesota United and their their front office and their coaching staff. I don't get too mad at the club that often, but even I would be in a hizzy about that. So I have a question because I'm I'm not I'm a fan of soccer, but I'm still learning, right? Uh, so I my favorite team in the Premier League, Leeds, has this player Jack Harrison, and he wasn't allowed to play. He's really good and wasn't allowed to play against Man City because he's on loan from Man City. 
Is that something that's always been a thing that you can't yeah. play against your parent club? Yeah, that happens all the time. Yeah, that was yeah. that was very unfortunate. I don't. I just think we just don't see it in the MLS because you don't usually loan players to another MLS team. You're loaning right. to a minor league team or over to Sweden or something. It has gotten weird though when, say, an England team that qualifies for the Champions League loans a player to a Spanish team that qualifies for the Champions League, and then those teams happen to match up, as happened with Chelsea and uh, Atletico Madrid with Thibaut Courtois uh, several years ago. Courtois did play for Atletico Madrid against Chelsea in the Champions League, even though even though he was a player for Chelsea at the time. I think the, the year close... they made the final, right? I believe so. The, I think the, the first year that they lost to Real Madrid in the final, right? I don't remember history that much because of COVID. My brain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we did almost face that in the U.S. Open Cup, though, the years that they used to allow the minor league teams in from MLS teams. So the Sounders 2 and Timbers 2, you know, Sounders 2 had their own squad. So in theory, a Sounders 2 team could meet up, meet up against the Sounders. But if the players are like some of those players were signed with the Sounders and loaned down to Sounders 2, or sometimes the Sounders 2 players would be signed up midseason and then not only would you have the possibility of having to deal with that, but what if they ended up playing each other because they were winning through? It never happened, but uh, we could have been there. Now they don't. Yeah, there was play. a year that the Timbers Tube team played the, what was the, it was like down on the sound, the Pumas, the Kitsap yeah, Pumas. Yeah, Kitsap Pumas. So the U23s played the Kitsap Pumas, and then the winner of that had to play one more game, and then they were going to play Seattle, and the winner of that played Timbers. So. Our U23s, I mean, they lost, but they could have played uh, Seattle and then Portland in the same season, which is nuts. Well, cool, guys. Let's go over this Western Conference bracket that we have. Let's just talk about some tiers, some predictions, all right? The playoffs, round one is supposed to start around the 20th. I don't think we have the exact dates yet, but... I think it's that that Saturday, Sunday, and then Tuesday. Sure. So Saturday is... Saturday Actually, is I have the schedule right here. I can of course I closed the wrong window. I can pull it up for you. So the first games are oh so the Friday actually the first games are Friday, November 20th, Saturday, November 21st, Sunday, November 22nd, and then they skip over Monday and play probably because of Monday night football. And then they play a bunch of matches on Tuesday, November 24th. Okay. So those matches in the Western Conference will be one seed Sporting Kansas City playing eighth seed San Jose, two seed Seattle playing seven seed LAFC, three seed Portland playing six seed Dallas, fourth seed Minnesota United playing fifth seed Colorado. Now, guys, I'm I'm going to just kind of go over the tiers really quick, and you you either agree with me or disagree with me, but in my opinion, I'm I'm going to make three tiers. It's going to be the favorites, the second tier, well, the second tier favorites, we'll call them. And then the, I, I don't know really what to expect from them. They might be good. They might not be. My, my favorites, I, and I think you just, it's pretty obvious here. I think you have to say the Western Conference leaders, Sporting Kansas City. I know they've been a little bit inconsistent at times this year, but they're at the top of the conference for a reason. The MLS's back tournament winners, Portland, and the defending champion, Seattle would be my first tier. My second tier would be Minnesota, Dallas, and LAFC. 
And then my tier of, I don't really know what to expect would be Colorado, who seems good right now, but they were hit the hardest by COVID in the entire league. And San Jose, who they have this crazy negative goal differential, but they have looked good at times. And I think they were the ones that knocked Sporting Kansas City out of the playoffs, if I do remember right, because then they advanced to play Minnesota United and we got the best of them. What do you, you guys the, think? The MLS is back tournament. Is that what you mean? Sorry, what did I say? You said the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, I meant the MLS is back tournament, not the playoffs. Yep. Appreciate it, Nate. Thanks for looking out for me. What, what do you guys think? Who should the favorites be in this? I mean, I'd agree with the caveat that, you know, looking at the team that LAFC put out tonight with Carlos Vela back in the in the squad, if you've got a match fit Carlos Vela, that I think automatically turns that team into a top tier, uh, a top tier team and sucks to be Seattle having to face that in the first round because Vela went 90 tonight. He looked good. He gets the goal for LAFC early. He hits the woodwork. Another team. I mean, LAFC could have had five at halftime easily in that match. Portland was trash in the first half. And I say that not meaning any disrespect to trash. Um, (laughs) Because we were awful. Somehow we managed to escape with a point. But I think that, you know, LAFC, they found ways to play without. And now they get their guy back. And just like Seattle's found ways to play without Rui Diaz at times this season, now they've got their guy back. So I think you've definitely got to look at LAFC as a really dangerous team. And obviously they're the darlings of MLS. So, you know, wouldn't the league love to have them in the cup final? Yep. Well, and I hate to bring this up because when I was going over my tiers, I wasn't really thinking about which teams are going to be hit hard by the international break, but Rossi, who is, I believe, LAFC's leading goal scorer this year with Carlos Vela not playing as much. He has like 15 goals. He is going to be gone with Uruguay this year. Yeah, he won the golden boot. Yeah, so he'll he'll be gone for round one of the playoffs. So they finally do get Vela back, but now he's gone. Yeah, I mean, I think I can hop in there and talk about those first tier teams then because uh, LAFC is dangerous and Seattle, we've played them, I feel like, 46 times this year. And it, every game is different, you know, in the tournament, in the, once we got to the knockout rounds, they, or I guess it was the final of the main tournament, maybe they destroyed us. It was crazy how good they were compared to us. And then it got, and then suddenly the Sounders dominated them for two straight games and it wasn't even close. And then the last game, Seattle went down to LA and lost. And so I mean, I think SKC, although because of their inconsistency, I feel like they kind of came out of nowhere. And maybe that's just because they weren't on my radar. Um, I think Seattle and Portland, of course, and LAFC. But honestly, when we were in the in the Zoom party, uh, the official Zoom party for the Sounders watching the game today, I was concerned about playing Colorado. I think Colorado's hot. As we know in the playoffs, it's not always the best teams that wins. It's the team that's playing the best at that time. And so... Uh, I was concerned about that Uh, with Seattle. I think it depends on which team shows up. There's times this year where they look like they're the best Sounders squad that's ever been on the field for the Sounders. And that includes the team that won the Sporter Shield. That includes both championship teams. This team is better than that. But on the road lately and sometimes at home, they've just been inconsistent. You know, they can beat uh, (laughs) San Jose seven to one and then suddenly nothing the next game, not even maybe a shot on goal. So 
it really depends on which teams show up. And I think that's probably true across the board. Uh, it does bode interesting for a second round matchup between Seattle and Portland, assuming the higher seeds go through or lower seeds, however you want to put it. And uh, Portland owns Seattle in the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be no matter what, I, I kind of feel like whoever makes it through Seattle, Portland, LA, those teams have a good chance of winning uh, the championship just because they're going to play those hard games early and they'll be tested and ready to go for the, uh, the conference championship game. No offense to Minnesota fans. <laughs> <laughs> None taken. Yeah. I, I think, you know, sporting Kansas city is obviously the best team saying that we've seen this year, to be honest, I haven't watched a ton of Seattle and Portland. Uh, we haven't but I played assume, them. We, we right. played Portland right. the, for our very first game. And then what feel, what feels like a, a decade ago, right? Um, we've just been going down I 35. Like, if if your team is close to I thirty five, we play you. If you're not, then yeah. So I mean, I, Sporting Kansas City is legit. Uh, I think that it's going to be really nice for them to to get a chance to play San Jose, who is trash uh, in the first round. Uh, considering how well we did against Ken, or San Jose every time we played them, um, I'm sure Ken, Sporting Kansas City have no no issue beating them in the first round. But I I know Seattle's good. I know Portland's good just because what we've seen before, and we know how much how much effort they put into making these teams be good. So, uh, and then LAFC was just, I mean, they were so good last year. I just can't imagine that they're that much different and, and all it takes is getting hot in the playoffs. So their defense you know. just is not good. is th- their problem. Their defense is suspect. So it hurts them. Why did, did they now, I don't know all the ins and outs, but like Walker Zimmerman, they just let him go or what, what happened with that? Cause he was real good for them in the back end. Yeah. I don't know. Contract issues probably. But I want to ask you you both a question then, because Seattle and Portland, we were, I was having this discussion earlier today. I feel like even if Seattle had like all the greatest players in soccer history, you know, you had uh, Ronaldo and Pele and Messi and just Zidane all on the team. And Portland had like middle schoolers out there. For whatever reason, Portland can match up against Seattle and it's never an easy game. Even if Portland is the worst team in history and Seattle's the best team in history, I'm still worried that Portland's probably going to win that game. Is there a matchup like that for Minnesota that you feel like even if you know you're the better team, you're probably not going to win? Any away match in Texas. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm so thankful that Houston isn't in the playoffs because I feel like they would beat us. They, like, they just seem to have our number. There's so many former loons on there that just have a you know, an ax to grind with us. So very thankful to not be facing Houston. That would have been my team, even though they're, they're, they're bottom of the table. <laughs> Nate, does Portland have a team like that since you tend to beat us in the playoffs? Probably Minnesota. I mean, I was going to say, I was going to say Houston, Houston knocked mm. us our first year in MLS. If we beat Houston end of the regular season, we go to the playoffs, we lose two nothing. Every time there's a big game going down to Houston, they always run us. I would say their their team, you know, the year that Chara broke his foot and we had a bunch of guys get hurt and we ended up losing to them in the conference semis and then you guys destroyed them in the conference finals on the way to MLS Cup. I was happier that we lost to them instead of having to lose to you guys. So that's why I've got LAFC and that preview of coming attractions. I've got LAFC over Seattle in the first round. So <laughs> spares you guys the embarrassment. Well, all right, guys. Why don't we now, just before we move on, let's just say who is going to be in the MLS Cup Final, Eastern Conference team and a Western Conference team, and then who's going to win. I personally feel like this could be a little bit of a 
pick your poison. I think I think each side has probably three to five teams that you could feel pretty confident with personally, but especially with how goofy this year has been and just how this is definitely an anything can happen kind of year. But what do you guys think? So for the MLS Cup, I'm saying this with the caveat that it depends on which Seattle team shows up. But Seattle having the two seed would have home field advantage where they actually, even though there's not real advantage, they actually play well at home compared to on the road where they're terrible down the stretch here. I'm going to say Seattle versus, do I really want to do Toronto again? Seattle versus Philadelphia. I mean, Philly destroyed Toronto 5-0 the other day, I believe. Uh, You know, obviously there's a lot of caveats there, but uh, I've seen how good Seattle can be when they're on and assuming... Uh, Rui Diaz and and everyone is going for these next matches. If KC gets knocked off, Seattle's hosting all the way through until the MLS Cup. All right. So I thought you were going to pick Seattle Toronto because you guys have that have had that matchup recently. Uh, I'm going to go Portland Columbus just because I don't think you can come up with better storylines than that. Portland playing Caleb Porter, the coach that took him to the MLS Cup, playing against Darlington Nagby having you know the injuries that they've overcome plus winning the you know two major tournaments i'll take that i can handle you saying portland's gonna be there but as i've said on multiple videos i've done for mlssoccer.com caleb porter has the most punchable face (laughs) in the history of the mls i have never seen a bigger crybaby in the history of sports worse than like jim harbaugh in, in, in pro and college football, worse than Lute Olson from Arizona back in the day in college basketball. The biggest cry baby in the history. I mean, this is a guy that failed at the, that fails upward. I don't know how he does it. He, he fails at the U.S. national level and fails upward. I don't want that guy anywhere near the final. And if he is, Portland better win. That might be the one time I'd root for Portland. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Well, Justin, you better pick Minnesota United now, right? Oh, man. I, you know what? I'm going to, I think I'm going to try to do like the jinx or the, the reverse jinx with our team. And I'm definitely not picking us because, I mean, we're going to be playing some, some USL guys. There's a real chance that we play USL guys in the playoffs. So I'm going to say, I think that Philly wins in the East. Uh, they just look too good. And I think that LAFC finds a way to, to rise from the ashes. To, to take the West. I think that'll be the final. And I, do I have to pick a winner? I think LAFC wins it all. Cameron, I, I almost was going to have to say the same as you. Uh, I'm going to say Seattle and Toronto. It'll be a repeat of last year. Depth and experience go a long way in a weird year like this. And I, I think both teams are well positioned to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, I mean I've got you- Portland because we have Steve Clark now. So he's not going to gift us a goal 26 seconds into the final. And he better not gift to Columbus. So we're going to take it. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's Seattle, Toronto, I'm taking Seattle. But if it's Seattle, Philly, I don't, Philadelphia just looks too good right now. But, I, I, you know, we didn't talk about this because it's earlier rounds. I'm not underestimating Colorado either. I think they could make a run. That's what everyone said in the MLS's back tournament. And they didn't even make it out of the group. <laughs> what about you, Sam? What do you got? What'd you Toronto. Say? It's okay. it's going to be Toronto. Toronto's the winner. Which Nate, if you recall, it's it's the Sounders go, it's the Timbers go, and then the Sounders go twice, and then the Timbers go. So this is technically our year to go again, and then you get to go next. Year. 
It's Sounders twice. It's Timbers, Sounders yeah, but, twice, Timbers, okay. Sounders twice. So you're going to lose to Toronto then by that logic? Oh, sure. I mean, if we lose to Toronto, that's fine. Then you go next year and win. We'll go win the year after, and then we'll lose. We can keep doing this forever. Forget the rest of the Western Conference. You good with that if we just keep going back and forth on this? I mean, by that logic, we should just have Portland-Seattle be the final every year. Yeah, I'm good with that. Sorry, Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, because then you guys would win. We've come nah, in, I we've, don't like that. We've come in and taken over your <laughs> podcast with our, you didn't realize this, this was my plan all along. <laughs> Northwest <laughs> takeover of pot on you loons. Let's talk about how Cascadia is the greatest part of the country for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> no, like... I guess we kind of have a rivalry with Sporting Kansas City, but it's called the nicest rivalry in sports because no one really cares. And I th- I think at least from Minnesota United's point of view, we have a lot of respect for Sporting Kansas City and we really like their barbecue. And <laughs> so it it's like Minnesota United fans, we love going to Sporting Kansas City. Justin and I were probably going to go this year if not for COVID because, shoot, underrated cities in the United States to visit. Kansas City has to be one of the top ones. It's awesome. The World War I Museum, the Barbecue, Boulevard Brewery. Like, Kansas City is a great time. Power and Lights District is a good time. They have a Lining Kugels Brew Pub there. We don't even have a Lining Kugels Brew Pub. I mean, if we're doing it that way, though, Nate's lived in Seattle. I spent three years doing a third of my time down there doing a long-distance relationship. So I was down there... Uh, 10 days a month for three years. So I lived essentially a year of my life in there over three years. And I love Portland. Yeah. So I love Portland. You know, I I think, I think from that perspective, when we're not playing each other, the two teams do have a lot of respect for each other and the cities, Portland might have a little bit of a little sibling complex sometimes, but from our perspective, they tend to get stuff done down there in a way that we can't city wise. Uh, I mean, we don't have food truck parks and cool stuff like that here. So, Except they keep tearing them down now to build condos or something. <laughs> build a what did they build? They they tore down or they took apart the one in downtown Portland, and they're building some like Marriott or some hotel. Of course, of course. But uh, you know, and that's just because that, I think that's the state of all of our cities, Portland, Seattle, and um, uh, the Twin Cities. Is that people want to live in the cities because they're cool cities. And there's a lot of stuff that's disappearing because of that, because of the growth is just so huge. So we're, I think we're all real lucky to live. Uh, well, I guess Nate doesn't live in Portland anymore, but he did for so long. And we all live in great places, I guess we can say. All right. Well, this is just as good of a time as any to stop, take a break. And we're going to make this a two-parter episode. Part two of this episode will be released on Wednesday. Part two will feature an interview with Cameron as he talks all about Gorilla FC and what his job is as president of Gorilla FC. We're also going to dive into the U.S. men's national team, their upcoming fixtures, and their all-European lineup they are using for this upcoming November camp. Pot on you loons. (laughs) 